0: So Matthew chapter 24, um, I'm going to start at verse 42, but to understand verse 42, um, you really need to back up to 40, 41, where he talks about one will be in bed, you know, one is taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one taken, one left. If you go over to Luke 17, he adds another one. And so um, what it shows you is is that uh, um, there'll be people that will be, in bed at in, in night, some will be grinding in the morning, and some will be working late afternoon, two men in the field is what Luke says. So, it's the rapture. The rapture will happen at one moment in time, but some people will be asleep, some places of the world will be at morning, in the morning, some places will be late afternoon, which was a way of telling you that the world is round, the earth is round, and it's always been there. I mean, Isaiah even says, that the earth has a vault, it's, it's rounded, and so it's a cool thing. But it's also telling you that the rapture of the church, the people, the followers of Christ, they will be taken off planet earth at some point, maybe in our lifetime, maybe in my lifetime, maybe not. But there is a difference between, just so you know, between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. The rapture of the church, Jesus will come back in the clouds. And you find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He will not touch down on planet Earth, but church folk who are alive at that time, they will be raptured, caught up with Him in the air, and they'll be taken out of this world. Yeah, that's right. That's what it teaches. Now, that sets off a great seven-year tribulation of which we've already talked about in Matthew 24. culminating at the end of the seven years a lot of things happen in there a lot of bad stuff but culminating at the end of the seven years with the actual physical return of jesus christ to planet earth whoa yeah where he will touch down this time that's the second coming he will touch down on the mount of olives where he left to leave in his ascension but he'll come back to that same area same spot when he comes back to proclaim righteousness on this earth and it will be be a rule of righteousness. Guys, there will be no more evil. There will be no more immorality. There will be no more of this liberalism that is so against what God says. Jesus will set up his kingdom on earth and we the followers of Christ who who come back with him, we will be the enforcers of the good. He's going to set everything right. Now, But the rapture, when church people are taken off earth, one taken, one left. Watch what now Jesus says. These are important words because watch. this is what he says. Right after, he has said, there's going to come a time when one is taken and one is left. Verse 42, therefore, be on the alert. Alert for what? One will be taken, one will be left. Be on the alert. For you do not know, this is Matthew 24 40. You do not know which day your Lord is coming. He says, Look, you may think you know, but you don't know when Jesus Christ is coming in that rapture in the clouds to, to take his church from planet Earth. So he's really going to give you different stories on being ready. You got to be ready. Verse 43. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert. Look, if you knew a thief was coming and you knew the time, you'd be standing behind that window, door, whatever, with your shotgun ready to go, man. You know you would because that guy ain't coming here because you know the time. You are ready. You are engaged. He says, if the head of the house had known what time the thief of the night was coming, if he was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken in two. Mm. So he's saying, you got to be ready once again. Now, God has not shown us the moment. If you go back to verse 36, it says, the Son himself doesn't know. Now, at that time when it was written in Jesus on earth, he doesn't know. In heaven now, I believe he knows. He's at the right hand of the Father. But we don't know. But Jesus has already laid out to us that even though we don't know the exact moment, day he's going to return, the month he's going to return, we can see what the signs of the times will be like. And, and just briefly, can I retreat back to Matthew 24 and look at um, verse 5. From, and he's giving you what end times look like. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. There are many people who have proclaimed to be the Christ. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Huh? So there will be countries against countries, and within countries there will be civil unrest. Wow, we haven't seen any of that. And in various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. Yeah, we see plenty of that. But, verse 8 of Matthew 24, all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. In other words, these are the things that are going to lead up to the moment Jesus comes back for us. Now, he calls them birth pangs. And don't forget that statement, because if you've ever been in a labor room and watched the 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 pains, as time goes by, they increase and they get closer together. The contractions do. And so he's saying these things that we've always seen, they're going to increase and they're going to come closer. There's going to be a rapid increase of these things the closer we get to Jesus coming back for the rapture of the church. So be watching for that. And these things are pretty intense now, and they have been increasing. Now, back to verse 44. For this reason, you also must be ready. Be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Now, he's going to key off that you do not think you will, Jesus is, with another story. Now, watch this. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave, whom his master put in charge of his household, to give them their food at the proper time. Now stop. He's talking about somebody who's the house steward, who manages everything, who's been put in charge. Who's the one then? And he says, this person is faithful. That's a great quality. You can be trusted. And they are sensible. Sensible means wise. It means perceptive. It means intelligent. Let me tell you, this person has been put in charge of the household. Look, the reason why is because they're faithful. They're wise. They're growing. They're intellectually growing. They're perceptively growing. And they remain faithful. They can be trusted. This is the kind of employee that every one of us, follower of Christ, should strive to be. We're going to get into this more in a second. <clears throat> Verse 46. Blessed is that slave. Which slave? The one that's faithful and sensible, that he's, that he's been put in charge. Blessed is that guy whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Oh. So now... He shifts to when the master returns. Remember, this is about the, re- the rapture of the church. Jesus comes in the clouds. This is about that. He says, this, this guy is blessed because when the master comes back, who is Jesus, he finds that slave doing what he's supposed to be doing. Let me pause for a second here. He's doing what the master wants him to do. That's called purpose. Every one of us we'd like to find our true purpose in life, wouldn't we? I think everybody yearns for that. I do. I'm really fortunate. I I really, really am. I got to find my purpose, and it was only because of God. I I didn't know that I would love this Bible. I didn't know that I would be a Bible teacher. I, I didn't know. But when God found me and I put my faith in Him. He started me on a course as I tried to find His will and He began to serve and do whatever He wanted me to. I found my purpose. Listen, this is a very true statement and some of you may think, "Ah," but listen, you will never, ever find your ultimate true purpose in life except through the Creator of who you are. You have been created in the image of and the likeness of God. And it's only in God that you will find your true purpose because He's created you with certain gifts, talents, and abilities, and that's a fact. But we live in a world right now, at least our America right now, has veered away into different um, philosophical ideas. Through secularism, relativism, Existentialism, you know, we have now reduced ourselves. Existentialism means we're alone in, in this world, and the world has no meaning, there's no meaning really to anything, and therefore we just got to figure it out, since we're, we're alone. we got to take responsibility to figure it out. You know what? That's pathetic to me, because I am not alone, because, I, because God never leaves me or forsakes me, and I have a Creator. And you know what? The world having no meaning has perfect meaning because God has created these things. We have we have reduced the meaning of things to our own ideologies. We have turned into Eve. Eve, you get to be the shot caller. You know, you get to decide what is right, what is wrong, what you think it is, and that's what the world is reduced to. Everybody has become God in their own eyes, and what I think is right may be right, what you think is right may be right, and everybody's right. But you know what? They're all wrong. And when we do that. We're alone, we might, as well, we might as well concede that, yeah, evolution, we are ooze that came out of the ocean, no purpose, no reason, it just happened. But that's a wrong philosophical stance, because the true only way to have a true philosophical stance is to base it on the Word of God. You're created in the image of God, and you've got a purpose. And somebody may have told you, you're stupid, you're dumb, there's no reason for you to exist, that's a lie. You may have been wondering, why am I even here? What does it even matter? You know, and you may have got into some real negative place in your head. Listen, there is a reason. There is a purpose. You have been created in the image and the likeness of God. And you got to settle that one and believe it. And submit to God and watch what he does in your life. Because only you can do you and only you can be who you are. Because God made you. Now... The master finds him so doing what he's supposed to be doing. Now, verse 47. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Now, because he finds this guy when he returns, this person who's faithful and sensible, and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. When the master returns, he says, I want to put you in charge of, of, all my possess- of everything I've got now. Listen, what's the reward of good, hard, faithful, smart work? more work. (laughs) Yes, it is. Not more in hours, but greater responsibility. Listen, listen. Somebody needs to listen. This is the difference between why one person will rise up to the company and the other person will not. If you want to rise up, you will be faithful. You won't be like the crowd. You will be an obedient worker and be faithful so they can trust you with more responsibility. And you will grow because you will be sensible, which is wise, perceptive, and intelligent. You will grow. Every one of us has someone at work. You think about this where when you can't figure out how to do something, you go, I know who can help me because somebody has the experience, they have the intellect, they have the wisdom, they have the faithfulness, they put in the time and they rise up in the company because why? because they've been all those things and you go to them and that's why they're in the position that can be anyone it just depends what you want but if you want to be one of these flunkies that just does you know 70 work for 100 percent pay and just cuts corners all the time and you know just goes to the crowd yeah, that's what you want to be that's what you want to be but do not expect to be elevated anywhere anywhere because you may think you can fool the boss but you cannot fool God God is watching you follower of Christ you should be the best employee on the job man I'm preaching now. anybody say amen out there to that one right there somebody egg me on give me an amen right now 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 verse 18 here's the twist here's the turn. but Jesus this is Jesus talking but if that evil slave evil slave where would he come from wait now we see a transitional statement because this guy who is faithful and sensible rising up in the company. Now, Jesus says, calls him an evil slave. But he's going to tell you why he calls him an evil slave because he turns. But if that evil slave says in his heart, so it's a heart condition, my master is not coming for a long time. Oh, all of a sudden, his intensity. His faithfulness, he backs off it, pulls his foot off the pedal. He says, "You know, my master's not coming for a long time. I can coast. In fact, I can do whatever I want to do. He's not coming back for a long, long time. Master's delaying." Let me show you something that I find fascinating in the Bible. Turn to Second Peter, chapter three. Way to the right, and we're going to come back to this. 2 Peter chapter 3. Now, 2 Peter chapter 3, watch this. We're talking about, my master's taking a long time, so I'll put my foot off the pedal, I'll coast, I'll cut corners. I won't live the moral life I've been living. Watch this. 2 Peter 3, verse 3. Know this, first of all, that in the last days... Hmm. Mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. That's uncontrolled desire. Saying, here's what they're going to be saying. Where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, the fathers are the patriarchs of the Old Testament and the New Testament disciples. All continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. In other words, Come on, man. You've been talking about this return thing for a while. You've been saying Jesus is coming back for a while. Come on, we're, we're, when's this going to happen? It's a, it's a long time now, and he ain't back yet. Now watch. Watch what verse 5, what Peter says. For when they, the mockers, who say, Oh, he's taken forever, he's not going. When they maintain this, it escapes their notice. That by the word of God the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water by water. They're reducing the power of God to nothing. Verse 6, through which the world at that time, at that time, yes, it was a different world before the flood of Noah. At that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. Now watch verse 7. But by his word that present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. What in the world does that mean? It means this. You got people, and mind you, this guy is in the house. He's a church person in Matthew 24. Uh, it's taken, the master's taking his time to come back. There are people, like in 2 Peter 3, they're going to say, eh, it's taken forever. And they're going to begin to do some certain things. But Peter says, you forget something. You forget the days of Noah. You forget that in the days of Noah, Noah preached for a hundred and some years building that ark. It's coming, this, this thing's coming. They mocked him. But one day it came. And one day, those first drops hit, and judgment came through water. Peter added in 2 Peter 3, the next judgment's coming through fire. And make no mistake, he says, it's coming. Just like the first one came, the second one's coming. So you can mock, we can say, oh, it's not happening. But here's the problem for the follower of Christ. Listen to me, follower of Christ. When we think he's taking too long, here's what happens. Verse forty nine of Matthew twenty four. And begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards. Let me tell you, my, as a pastor, it it does trouble me and it scares me, because I see it, and I see it with regularity. That we. at least Christians in America need to wake up and be shaken up. We're living like Jesus a long way away, like he's not even in our life. Like this person, what happens when he thinks, that's oh, a long time. He starts to abuse others. He's mean to others. Not only that, he goes back to his old party days, his old drinking days. See, what Jesus is saying right here when we think, oh, you know, Jesus, when's he coming? When we don't take that serious that he could come at any moment, we go back. We go back to what we once were. We go back to our party days, our drinking days, our mean days, whatever days they were, we go back. And that scares me because I see it happen left and right as a pastor. It's gr- it's, it grieves you. Sure, church, we've got to wake up. We've got to live a certain way here. This guy turned. This guy was—he was faithful. He was sensible, and he turned because he didn't think Jesus was coming back soon. Verse fifty: The master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour which he does not know. In other words, the master is going to show up and catch that guy doing that stuff. That's a bad day. Verse fifty-one. And will cut him in pieces, assign him a place with the hypocrites. You know what the word hypocrite means it means a stage player. It means someone who's an actor acting out a part. That's a hypocrite. In those days, in the Greek days, they would wear masks on stage, and that was called a hypocrite because they'd play a part. And so, in the New Testament, it's used for a Christian who's playing the part. They will assign this person who's gone back, gone back because you know Jesus, he's you know returning soon place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Those are statements made by Jesus in other places of what hell is like. Now, is He saying this is hell here? I don't know. I, I really don't know uh, because remember the man is in the house. It's the household of God and don't forget the blood of Jesus. Jim, are you telling me that some people will sit there and go back and forth and struggle in and out and this and that and still make it to heaven? Yeah, if, they, if, they're, if they're believers in Christ, yeah. Because I'm not saved by what I do, I'm saved by what I believe and what He's done for me in my life. Now, if you take that and say, oh, I can live a certain way, that you miss the point. Then you're not living as a light to shine before men in such a way that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You're to live as a light and maybe this is why Christianity in third world countries is exploding, but in America, it's not. Because the church doesn't live as a light. Live as a light. Put away the old things. but going back to the old stuff. And live right now. Chapter 25. I'm gonna to try to cover 13 verses pretty quick here. Because he, doesn't, he, he continues with the idea of being ready. Now he's gonna give you the story of the 10 virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Notice there's a bridegroom. That would be Jesus in the story. But there's no bride. It's it's ten virgins. It's interesting, isn't it? Verse 2. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. In other words, five of the virgins, smart. Five of them, stupid. Verse 3. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. So the five dumb ones... They go out there uh, waiting for the bridegroom. They take their their lamp, but they don't take any extra oil. And that's not very smart. Now, verse 4. But the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. Now, why are the smart ones carrying extra oil? Because they don't know what time he's coming back, the bridegroom. Even though it's daytime at that moment, he could take all day into the evening, so you better have some extra fuel to keep that lamp lit in the dark. Verse five. <clears throat> now while the bridegroom was delaying, oh there is delaying again. Oh, when, when's Jesus coming back? Come on, there's the delay again. When we don't expect Jesus at any time, there's the delay again. They all got drowsy and began to sleep. And there we go, drowsy, sleeping, going back to our old ways, going back to our old habits, treating people the wrong way. When you get drowsy and sleepy in the dark. And once we walk in darkness again, mm-mm mm mm. mm, 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 mm. That's what's going on here. See, the point that he's making again is be ready for the return of Jesus at any time. Any time. Verse 6. But at midnight, oh, it's dark. But at midnight, there was a shout. Behold the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Two things there. Who is shouting? We don't know who. But this is the person who who proclaims the way of the bridegroom. Who is that? John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he was a voice crying in the wilderness. What are you and I? We are a voice crying in the wilderness, proclaiming the way of Jesus Christ to a lost world whenever the opportunity arises. But notice what he says to the, to the, to the, the, the ten virgins. Come out to meet him. I like that. You know why? Come out. Come out. Ecclesia, it's a word for what we are, church people, ecclesia, the called out ones. We're called out from this world. Don't be like the world. Quit replicating them and imitating them. And you know one of my pet peeves, and then quit promoting all that sin on digital platforms. Stop it. Just stop it. Glorify God. Verse 7. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. Ah, the ones who were wise, they get up, the bridegroom's here, it's midnight, it's dark, they trim their lamps. What does it mean to trim their lamps? What well, means to put it in order? They take, they cut off the burnt-off wick part to have the good part, and they'll put more oil in it. That's what it means to trim the lamp. They have extra, man. They're ready. They're ready. They were ready. Verse 8. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Hey, can you give us some? Because we don't have enough. We didn't prepare. But notice what the prudent say in verse 9. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead. Here's Here's their advice to these five who didn't bring enough. Go instead to the dealers, and buy some for yourselves." Hmm, the dealers, it's midnight, who's open at that time? But let me tell you at verse nine how we could say it in our life, in our way. God has no grandchildren. You're not going to heaven because your parents believe in Jesus. You're not going to heaven because your parents drag you to church. The only reason you're gonna, you'll make it to heaven because you place your faith in Jesus as the only God, Messiah, and Savior. And that's it. And that's it. You're not saved based on your parents' faith. You gotta make that decision for yourself and follow it. Verse 10. And while they were going away to make the purchase, so the ten who didn't bring enough, they had out, I got, we gotta go get oil, we gotta find some place open. The bridegroom. while they're going the bridegroom now gets closer now and here he is and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut remember this is about the rapture of the church they were in expectations they were ready one taken one left five taken five left the door shut When the rain started, God closed the door on Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. The door shut. It was too late for everybody else. They had a hundred and some years to repent and get right. They didn't. The door shut. The door shut. Verse 11. Later, the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. So the five come back. Lord, open up. Open up. Open up. But notice what he says, but he answered, uh, truly I say to you, this, these are Jesus' words, not, not mine. It's scary. I, I do not know you. I do not know you. See, Christianity is a relational thing. It's no know, K-N-O-W, to know intimately. He says, I don't know you. All of a sudden, you show up. What, what do you mean? No, it's too late. The rapture happened. You missed it because you wanted to play because you didn't take this thing serious. No, I, I just don't know you. That's a sad day. That's a sad day. Verse 13 says, Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. And then he comes and drives the point home again. Since you and I don't know the day, the hour, the moment he's going to return, we should live every moment as if he could return in that moment. So, whatever questionable practices that we're practicing again, would you want Jesus to return and catch you in that one? No. And besides, you and I want—we want to glorify God. I know you do. Let's wake up and let's live with the expectancy that Jesus could come back any moment.